0: middle of the country but not middle of the road opinions it's the podcast dedicated to sports in the air capital of the world i'm gonna wichita, wichita kansas
1: and beyond with tommy castor and blake Cripps. this is keeper of the games some may say that we are wildly unqualified Some may say we are only mildly entertaining, but I say that we are exactly where we are supposed to be, bringing you the stories that you care about from Wichita Sports, the stories that you need, that you want to hear. But as journalists, we have a responsibility to bring you the stories that you do not want to hear. Kansas City Chiefs, that story will be for you here in about 15 to 30 minutes. And with that, we welcome you back into the Keeper of the Games podcast, episode 81, as we focus on sports in and around it of interest to Wichita, Kansas. I am Blake Cripps. We are joined once again by my co-host, Tommy Kaster. Tommy, what kept you awake the most this weekend? Was it your son? Was it the Chiefs? Or was it the Atlanta Braves in the postseason?
0: You know, I think all the Chiefs kingdom would agree that uh, the Sunday night game was brutal, probably kept up uh, the entire Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, Iowa, Arkansas, anybody that's a fan of the Chiefs kept them up. But I've got to say my four month old had a terrible night on Sunday night and uh, we were up like every hour with him. So I've got to say my four month old probably kept me up more than anything else.
1: Was that his first? It was. There were some pretty big thunderstorms that rolled through this weekend. Was it that his first kind of thunderstorm activity?
0: Yeah, the first one that I think he was aware for. There were some when we brought him home from the hospital, but he had no idea oh, what sure. was going on. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it, it was um, it was pretty brutal. And so I'm running on fumes right now. But uh, <laughs> hey, we'll get through it together.
1: Well, all the measurables are still here in the same. If you'd like to interact with the show, best place to find us, of course, is on Twitter at CogPod. CogSports.com is the website. You can watch the video on YouTube on our YouTube channel, Facebook.com slash Keeper of the Games. And the audio is pretty much everywhere that matters. iHeartRadio, Google, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, so many, many more. Like, share, and subscribe. Really appreciate all the feedback, and the support from our listeners from over the years. Coming up on the show today, the Buffalo Bills take control of the AFC and a monumental holy war in high school football this past week. But we will begin today with a seismic shakeup across the landscape of college athletics that happened during this offseason season. Sixth Man Strategies is among the changes that is happening here locally as name, image, and likeness comes to the forefront of college athletics for the first time. Sixth Man Strategies announcing a deal a deal to sign all 18 KU men's basketball players to a deal representing their name, image, likeness strategies, focusing on social media, player appearances, memorabilia, merchandise, and endorsements as college athletes have been empowered for the first time to market themselves for a profit and make money that does not damage their chances for eligibility and does not put constraints in their athletic program in terms of eligibility for its athletes or the ability to compete for conference and national championships. And whatever there's money involved, of course, there is opportunity. And these student athletes all across the country are taking advantage of that opportunity to seize their name, image, and likeness to take that back and use it to market themselves as amateur athletes. Local Beatty brothers Matt and Ryan, both former KU baseball players, are partners in Sixth Man Strategies uh, signing all 18 KU men's basketball players. We are pleased to be joined by one of those brothers, Matt Bainey, very involved in the Wichita baseball community, formerly a worker at Wichita State and Kansas Athletics, Emprise Bank here in Wichita, and also Allied Media Partners here in Wichita, a partner of Tommy and Amp, and he used to be my boss. Uh, <laughs> Matt, are you the better or worse-looking Bainey brother of you and Ryan?
2: Well, uh, Tommy and Blake, I'm certainly the... Uh... The ugliest baby brother of them all, <laughs> because I tried buying radio stations. That's, that's why I wanted to be behind the scenes, but uh, my brother's out on TV all the time with Cheap Sheep, so you see him. At least he thinks he's better looking than me. I'll just let him let him keep thinking
1: that. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, g- welcome to the program. I know this is your second appearance on the show. Really appreciate you, having, you you making the time for us to come back on. Obviously, with name, image, and likeness being approved in time for this athletic year, I, I felt, at least from the outside, that there was a bit of a scramble for universities to come up with rules and policies, but it didn't take you guys long comparatively to figure out that you wanted to jump into this area and obviously signing every men's basketball player at a blue blood program like Kansas is a major major play what made this opportunity of not just NIL but specifically KU men's basketball intriguing to you and your brother and everybody else at Sixth man
2: well first of all Tommy and Blake thanks for having me I'm excited to talk about six man strategies and talk about uh, the love for the university I have in Kansas basketball so that was an easy fit for us obviously we know the importance of what Kansas basketball means to our great university, uh, to the brand, um, and the importance that NIL is playing into the landscape of college athletics now. Um, It is definitely, a, uh, for lack of better words, and you hear it all the time, and I'm actually kind of tired of saying it, but it's truly the wild, wild west. And if Kansas is going to play in this space, we have to do it at the best level possible. And uh, just like everything we try to do. And so my brother and I sat down with a couple of our partners in town and, and looked at the, uh, the landscape. What's unique about NIL is, is, again, it's the wild, wild west where there really aren't a lot of rules to this. And with our connections as both alums, uh, my previous stop uh, as being the senior associate AD in charge of fundraising for the athletic department, we thought, hey, it might be a good, good idea to, to reach out Uh, So I just called Bill on the phone one day and said, hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? Uh, You know, they are – the athletic department and the basketball team are – they can't talk a lot about it because they can't persuade. They can't do anything. Uh, I just said, hey, if I went down this path, is this a good idea? And he goes, baby, I don't think there's a better guy that could do this. Uh, I would support you in that that, – you know, I'll open up as many opportunities as possible. There's not a lot I can do. Uh, I just happen to have Mitch Lightfoot's number still from working in the athletic department. I said, hey man, I'd love to set a meeting with you guys and talk about what we can do in this space. And uh, he got me a meeting with all 18 players and the rest is history. So we're uh, working down that path now. Before you go, Tommy, what a luxury it is to just pull up and it's
1: like, yeah, I I just called Bill self on the phone. You know, no big deal. I mean, I just call him on the phone.
0: I just like that, um, you know, the, kind of that little nonchalant under the radar flex yeah, that yeah. Matt just gave. Like, yeah, I just I just called Bill yeah. self on the phone.
2: Yeah.
0: No no big deal. Uh hey Matt, I remember when you were on the show um a little over a year ago. Uh and you know we were we in the time at the time we were talking, I think about uh, baseball, youth baseball uh, in in the Wichita metro. I think we were also talking about the sports forum and some other things that were going on. Obviously, you've got your hands in a lot of different uh, a lot of different areas, not only in Wichita but but statewide and beyond. Um, but I remember you when you came on. We got on the topic of talking about college athletics, and at the time. Um, you know, it's almost like you're Nostradamus or something, because you were talking about how you just felt like there were some major, massive changes on the horizon for college athletics. So, you know, clearly, uh, you know, the, the kind of the seismic change that we're seeing right now um, is something that, you know, you anticipated um, and maybe not just on the NIL front, but also, um, you know, uh, the restructuring of the conferences, realignment, all of that stuff. Um, so walk me through the time right now for college athletics and how six man strategies plays into what college athletics is right now and what it's going to be in the next several years. That's
2: good. Yeah. When we talked last time, it was about a year ago. Um, and I I told you it was a kind of a ticking time bomb of conference realignment, um, poking its ugly head. I thought uh, we still had probably a year or two before that, so I can't give me all the credit for figuring this out, <laughs> uh, but certainly knew that conference realignment was going to poke its ugly head eventually. Um, and then Texas OU ripped the Band-Aid off and started started the tumble. Um, you know. I I talked to to you I talked to uh, other friends that are Jayhawks supporters and everybody's sitting there going hey I I hope that uh, we can end up in the in a power five conference I hope we're in the big 10 or the Pac 12 or the ACC here's the fact of the matter is right now we're gonna be in the big 12 big 16 whatever it is as of right now because we don't have a home we don't have another home we don't have any other option right now um So I say this when people ask me, why should I get involved in NIL for men's basketball in particular? I should get involved in NIL because no matter what, Kansas basketball has to maintain to be who Kansas basketball is, regardless of what conference we're in. If we're in the Big Ten, ACC, SEC, Pac-12, Mountain West, don't want to scare anybody, but... We're not invited to the Big Ten right now strongly because of our football program, right? It's just not to the standard that we need it to be to enter a conference like the Big Ten, which is naturally where it would be a good fit. These conversations have been happening for the last 10, 15 years, where this thing's going, the ticking time bomb. We knew that at some point the NIL was going to open up what we didn't expect was the n i was the nc2a to say just throw up on us for the very first time and say there are no <laughs> rules uh, and so to your point earlier blake is everybody starting to the schools were starting to freak out like what do we do what do we do what do we do interesting i i called david reed up on the phone who's the compliance officer at kansas now when you're and, and he's a stud he's awesome um, one of the best in the country. And what was funny about it is when you're in the world of fundraising, we talk to compliance on a daily basis. And we often go in and we say, okay, uh, what can we do in a certain situation? Can we do this? And the reason why we started with can, what can we do is because that list was always really small when it came to that. <laughs> so I asked him when I got him on the phone, I said, hey, David, what can we do? And he goes, Matt let's flip it for the very first time. Let's start with what you can't do because that list is a lot smaller than what you can do. Here's the fact of the matter is, I can't touch anything in beer or alcohol, sex, drugs, or gambling. Those four things are off limits. The rest, you know, there's there's a way to figure it out. And so the fact of the matter is, is we have to protect Kansas basketball. I think what you're gonna see across the country, you saw it at Oregon, you're seeing it at UNLV, Illinois. Uh, you're starting to see alumni bases. Alums like myself and my brother come out of the woodworks and say, "Hey, we need to support uh, support our programs as an alum alumni base." We can't come out and say, "Yes, these funds are being used for recruiting." Right? That's against C two A rules. But we do know that these kids talk to kids that are being recruited. Right? So if Uh, Abaji is getting a $10,000 commercial with Wendy's, Uh, we know during the recruiting process, these kids aren't asking the questions of how many big 12 championships do you have now coach? Or how many national championships do you have? They're asking, what are you doing for me in NIL? That's how big NIL is. They're looking for opportunities to make money. And for the very first time as somebody that's been a career fundraiser for athletic departments, uh, it's a different it's a different conversation for me than I've ever been able to have because taboo was me going and talking to a, a student athlete about putting money in his pocket, right? That never happened. But now for the very first time, I'm trying to put money in the pocket of our student athletes uh, because... Uh, for the very first time, they can make money on their name, image, likeness. And it's an exciting time, you know. People will argue whether it's right or wrong. Uh, the fact of the matter is I don't think that's for us to figure out. It's for, uh, for Kansas to be Kansas basketball. We need to operate at a high level because guess what? This is now even the playing field. If Wichita State wants to go get, go play in this space at a high level, uh, I think we used the example last time on the car dealerships between K State and Wichita State. When last time I was on the show, where, where, uh, you know, somebody's given two hundred fifty thousand dollars here, this person's given three hundred thousand dollars, it becomes a bidding war, and I hope it doesn't come to that. But in the fact of the matter is, NIL's here to stay, and and it's an exciting time to be a part of it.
1: We're joined by a partner in Sixth Man Strategies. They recently signed every single varsity men's basketball player at the University of Kansas to an NIL deal, Matt Beatty. What is going to be the role of the student athlete in this partnership? And what is your role specifically gonna be? And what's the role of Six Man Strategies as a group to cultivate these agreements and to put that money, as you said, from businesses into the pocket of student athletes legally for the first time ever?
2: Yeah, you know the 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 most important thing for these kids to realize, and what's exciting about our 18 basketball players at Kansas is they made a commitment that their best marketing for themselves is to go win on the basketball court. Right? They got to win. Uh, and at Kansas, if you go out and win, these this fan base will support you in everything you do for the rest of your life. They will support you, and. So they know the fact of for them to be successful on the court, they can't be worrying about a $500 Twitter post. Uh, they can't be worrying about going to do the, the sponsorship at the local car wash. They need somebody to kind of monitor that for them, uh, to monitor those opportunities, put those deals together for them. Uh, I think the fact of the matter is 90% of all kids in college athletics thought that it was going to be really easy for them to just open up their DMS on their social media and people would start sliding in saying, Hey, I want to give you 5,000 to do this 10,000 to do that. The fact of the matter is between division one, division two and division three, the average NIL transaction has been $45, $45. It's not a lot of money, right? And so I think these kids have figured out that, you know what, this is a business now. This is tough. And for <laughs> me to be the most marketable I can be, I got to go win on the basketball court. So let's transition that stuff, the business side over it, to people that have uh, interest in it, people that have uh, have experience in running businesses and marketing and, and all that. So our job at Six Man Strategies is to put those deals together. Uh, we're doing it through... We got a a, a unique club that we're starting called the 100 Club, which is 100 supporters, fans that want to get involved in NIL, where they're given $1,000 a month or $12,000 a year. Through that, we'll raise $1.2 million. That will be split uh, among the team uh, annually. Uh, So we know going into every single year, we're going to have $1.2 million. We're also going to do the Blue Blood Exclusive. The Blue Blood exclusive is, you know, my boy, John Kirby, uh, uh, Jayhawk Slant. I think it's a Jayhawk Slant type uh, fog hut net on steroids where we're going to give behind the scenes access to our membership. And so we're going to charge $15 a month uh, to give them behind the scenes where you can get on and do a live FaceTime with uh, Christian. You can do a live uh uh you know interview with David those are things that people want and at fundraiser we didn't get access to student athletes like we do in Nil and for the most part that's what separates us from fundraisers and now doing the marketing of these kids is these kids if they open up the their the reins on being available, people will pay for that And so the way Nil works is all they have to do is give something in return so Blake, Uh, You're a lot better looking than Tommy. So, uh, but if you were... I don't know about that. If you were were asked to show up and do an appearance at the local restaurant and do a thing, the great thing about this is the, you know, capitalism at its finest. They might pay you $10,000 to come do this appearance, but Tommy might not be as marketable as you, Blake, and he might know capitalism uh the market might say, Tommy, we're gonna pay you two thousand dollars. Blake, you're ten thousand dollars. And the market decides that. It's our job to help decide help that market and help set that price tag for these guys and make sure their time is being being used properly and they're not, uh, for lack of better words, uh, you know, uh You know, uh, uh, I'll get in trouble using that word, but uh, (laughs) what comes to my mind, but but doing doing things that they that that are just time restraints and not making a lot of money, not a lot of return on investment.
1: Getting getting taken advantage of, maybe correct.
2: You know, and what I've learned is one, we got eighteen outstanding kids on our team um, at Kansas, and but what I've seen over the years being in college athletics there's a lot of hands around these kids Uh, we're fortunate not not at Kansas and getting to know them on a personal level getting to know them on the uh, uh, their families on a personal level that's what's been fun because as a fundraiser you don't get to know these kids on a personal level or especially their families because that's kind of taboo you can't really get involved as fundraisers with the kids and so that's probably what I'm excited about the most is getting to know these kids on a personal level.
0: So Matt, there are uh, a couple things that are the most intriguing to me about the the whole NIL world. Um, and I would love it if you could could speak to both of these uh, areas. Number one, Um, You know, uh, you always think about, you know, the the big star athletes, the quarterback at Alabama, you know, or, you know, guys on the Kansas basketball team who are, you know, potentially have the opportunity to pull in quite a bit of money. Uh, but I, I I think that, you know, there's an opportunity out here for, you know, some of these players in other sports, and in a lot of cases, namely women's sports at universities, that they're going to be able to be compensated for their time. I mean, it could be something like putting on a clinic, you know, or going and doing a camp, you know, and actually being able to be compensated for what they're doing in, in that world and, and being able to make a little bit of money here and there with that. So that's one area that I find intriguing and how it opens the door up uh, for opportunities outside of just the, the major money-making athletic programs. Uh, and then number two, just the, the opportunity, um, for these, uh, student athletes to have an, have the chance to learn about the business side of the world while they're still in college, you know, and, and I I always go back to that 30 for 30 called broke, mm-hmm. you know, where they're interviewing all of these athletes that lost all their money because they surrounded themselves with bad people. They didn't have the education they needed to handle all this money. And I would like to think that if there are people like Six Man Strategies and, and other groups out there at other universities, you guys can really help these athletes learn how to manage their money, learn how to trust the right people, surround themselves with only the people that have integrity, that sort of thing. So those are kind of the two areas that I find most intriguing. Would love to get your thoughts on those two areas. Yeah,
2: no, certainly. You know, starting with you know what I call the Olympic sport athletes, like baseball players, uh, I probably wouldn't have been able to bring much uh, money
0: opportunities <laughs> in.
2: But what it does is allows me to go make money on doing camps back home, uh, and and not have to get paid at a uh, get paid what the other guys being paid. You know. When you go prior, before they uh, change the rules, if I went to go get paid at a camp as a University of Kansas, say I was the only Division I athlete there, I'd have to get paid as the same as the D2 guy, the volunteer, or not volunteer because he's getting paid, but that junior college guy. I, you know, capitalism, the market didn't dictate. I had to be paid what everybody else was getting paid or it was an impermissible benefit. Now the market dictates that. And so that's exciting for uh, Olympic sport athletes to be able to participate. What's also exciting is, you know, we had a call, my brother had a call yesterday with an attorney in the Kansas City Market, uh, gentleman that's, that's originally from, uh, from Wichita and, and played football at, at Kansas. And he wants to do a billboard, a uh, billboard display to market his company. And he exclusively asked for, hey, I want three male athletes. I want three female athletes. Uh, and uh, and to help him choose those, those three female athletes. So there's going to be a lot of opportunities like that. They're going to open up uh, that I'm excited about. Uh, you know, so, yes, you're right. At Kansas, uh, a walk-on at Kansas – is going to have more opportunities for him financially than even uh, a, a starter, say, at St. Mary's or somewhere else. Because of the brand that Kansas is and the strength of the fan base, there's going to be a lot of opportunities. There's going to be the one-off deals where a kid can go get a million-dollar deal. You know, at Kansas, can that happen? Yeah, sure, that can happen. Uh, do we have those those kids on our team right now? Maybe, maybe maybe not. Uh but I think these kids could uh, could make a really good, uh, some really good earning potential in the next six to, you know, twelve months, uh, and really set them up. Uh, you know, right now they're the most marketable they're ever going to be for some of them. Even if they go to the NBA, some of them at Kansas they're the most marketable they'll ever be, and uh, so that's exciting. You know, we've talked to the kids. One thing that we're doing at Six Man is we are talking to them about. Uh, financial strategies. We're bringing people, uh, getting others involved outside third parties, financial advisors, insurance brokers, those type of things, bankers. Uh, if they're not taking a business class right now, they need to be taking business classes and and talking internally with Vincent McCamey, who does uh, all the academic advising with Kansas. We had a, a, a conversation uh, because I wanted to make sure that these players have opportunities to have somebody internally to talk to, not just us. Um, and he's really pushing these kids to take finance classes and those type of things, which is exciting uh, because right now it's a business. And we're talking to a couple right now about not only uh, having their checking account, but we're gonna also set aside a tax savings account where, we're going to be pulling 30% of their earnings out to save and just put in a, in, a, in a fund because the last thing we want these kids to do is, A, get a bunch of money and then all of a sudden go spend it and at the end of the year go, or come April, I got a tax bill and they're going, oh, crap, I got to figure this out. so uh, And so we're helping with that. A couple of the parents have asked for that, so that's exciting. The that parents are involved in it. Um, and so, you know, tax strategy, legal strategy, those type of things. That's all we're, uh, we're we're bringing all that to the table and we're excited to work with them.
1: Matt Beatty joining us from Sixth Man Strategies. Wanted to talk to you a little bit about what Tommy had just brought up there, the opportunities. Because you look at some of the other sports that aren't necessarily revenue producers. Depending on where you are in the country, I think very, very different sports could be very very differently marketable you look at for example up in here in our neck of the woods obviously wichita state men's basketball most men's basketball programs at the division one level will have opportunities and we've already seen that we've seen down here some shocker softball players already getting some commercials because of the success that they've had up in the lawrence area the ku volleyball team has not been that far removed from a final four just won nine matches in a row before losing back-to-back matches to texas i cannot expect explain to both of you how big an opportunity there will be for nebraska volleyball players i can't tell you how big it will be because of how dominant that program is and because let's face it nebraska football ain't what it used to be so what i wanted to ask for you is because you've already mentioned that people have been reaching out to you you've only signed ku men's basketball players but people are asking you hey i need some female athletes Where do you see an expansion for sixth man? Is there opportunity? I know that there are opportunities at Kansas State, Wichita State. And Tommy, you mentioned small, smaller athletics. I can't imagine if the Gonzalez twins, you remember them playing women's basketball, extremely active on Instagram, if they had had this opportunity while they were at Kansas, maybe that would work different for them. And I also looked where the MIAA, yes, the MIAA, Division II, is the ninth most profitable, the ninth most money on NIL is in a Division II conference, the MIAA. So are there opportunities to expand for Sixth Man, for Kansas State, Wichita State, Newman, and other schools in the MIAA? Where are your plans as you move this forward?
2: You know, uh, I appreciate you asking that. My passion is Kansas athletics, right? I'm a Jayhawk. Uh, I will lend our services and help those that want to help their alma maters and things like that. We've had a conversation, a one-off conversation with a group out a Kansas city that's asking for a lot of help, uh, of how to put a similar structure together with Kansas state football. Listen, uh, I'll help them. I'll have a conversation with them, but I hate purple, right? <laughs> I'm passionate about Kansas athletes. I'm passionate about Kansas sports. And so, yeah, in my backyard, you have Wichita State here. I think, can you imagine what uh, Wichita State baseball in IL, they could have pulled in the 80s and 90s? I mean, oh my great gosh. opportunity. Ron no. Baker and uh, Fred Van Vliet, yeah, they were, unbelievable. Oh or look at uh, uh, look at Graham or Frank Mason or, or those guys. You know, Can you imagine Embiid in this oh, world? Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh. Wiggins in this world right now? Uh, so it's exciting stuff. So going back to Kansas, we're passionate about that. We're built with KU alumni. Uh, so in Kansas basketball, we started with Kansas basketball, A, we wanna make a big splash, but B, we know the importance of Kansas basketball to our university, to our alumni, to uh, the athletic department. We have to get Kansas basketball right. And so it was powerful for us to go get that as alumni. And and i hope and i and and i plead to all uh, alumni or just fans of Kansas basketball to get behind them in NIL cuz this is a great opportunity to get access to these student athletes to do unique things for the very first time and and then be rewarded for it but i just uh, I, I sent an email today to women's basketball uh, we're working on some stuff with a merchandise an exclusive merchandise provider where There'll be over 14 stores in the state that will sell KU merchandise gear that will have access to the KU marks. And we could put a Mitch Lightfoot uh, face uh, right next to a Jayhawk and sell that for the very first time. And we'll have access to that through this vendor that we'll announce probably in the next couple of weeks. But we're also working with women's basketball. So I I, uh, emailed the uh, uh, DOBO, uh, and asked if I could, uh, somehow schedule a meeting with the players just so I can get access to present to them. Cause that's all I'm asking for is an opportunity to come present. Uh, then it's our job to sell them, sell the student athletes. Cause the coaches, administration are hands off. They can't say any, they can't persuade them to go with me or any other. Uh, this is wide open. Anybody, any Tom, Dick or Harry can do this. Um, and so, uh, we just think we have something pretty special. So reached out, trying to work a deal with women's basketball to try to represent them because I think there's some opportunity. I think women's uh, or volleyball, I think there's some unbelievable opportunities at Kansas uh, for that. Uh, you know, baseball's near and dear to my heart, obviously, and my brothers. We'd love to do some stuff there. Um, so our goal, and, and don't forget about football, right? We got to help football, <laughs> uh, football. Uh, has its bumps and bruises and things like that, but they have to play large in this NIL space as well, and we got to give opportunity. But it's a different beast. Football's a totally different beast. In basketball, where there's going to be a lot of opportunity is on the team events, team signed autographed items, team shirts. You know, we're working on a shirt that you're going to get now in Allen Fieldhouse for the very first time. It's going to have jerseys on it with Kansas basketball 21, 22, and it's going to have every jersey with their signature on it. We can sell that and these guys make money now. We're going to do the same thing with women's basketball. Football, uh, uh, you know, you start, you see uh, groups doing, oh, for the linemen, uh, all the linemen get, you know, uh, uh, 200,000. I think I saw it in Michigan, you know. Offensive linemen did a deal with a local local car dealership or they did a local restaurant. Uh, tight ends. I've seen a deal at K State. They did a deal for tight ends or something like that. Um, and so football is a totally different beast that we got to get our hands wrapped around. But uh, I've reached out to Rob. They're a little busy, uh, but I've, I've I want to set meetings with them and start with the offense and defense separately and start having some meetings with them because uh, it's an unbelievable opportunity to get involved as an alum alumni to get involved and make sure that 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 Kansas. Uh, Kansas is taken care of in this NIL thing and an alumni uh, base needs to support that NIL uh, NIL with men's basketball and all of our
0: sports. Matt, last question I have, and and I think maybe Blake has one or two more, uh, but what has been the reaction, um, not just from the athletes, but um, from just people in the community, the alumni base, um, you know, people off the street that, that you know or that know you, um, not just about what sixth man is doing, but just the overall feeling about NIL. Um, you know, you mentioned the wild wild west at the very beginning, and and I know that uh, you know there are folks that feel passionately one way about this, and then there are other folks that feel very passionately that college athletics should remain, um, amateur w- without any sort of, of money being exchanged. So what's the overall reaction that you've heard about NIL and where the NCAA, uh, in college athletics is moving, uh, in the future.
2: You know, believe it or not, I haven't heard any negativity. I haven't heard anybody saying, well, these student athletes shouldn't be paid. I think for the most part, everybody agrees that they should be compensated to some extent. What extent? Uh, I think that's where most people, uh, you know, uh, challenge, you know, does a scholarship count since they're making money on scholarship and those type of things, the stipends, all that. So I think that's generally the argument that I hear. But for the most part, I think everybody's really excited about NIL. The biggest challenge that we have right now is education. Because it's the wild, wild west, because there's no rules Uh, we're used to the NC two a coming down and say, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. Uh, but that's not the case right now. And so there's a lot of unknowns. Uh, you know, I've had conversations with, with hundred club members of, of saying, okay, well for your $12,000 commitment, you get X, Y, and Z and you get to do these things. And they're going, Whoa, 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 wait a minute. I've never been able to do that. Why can I do it now? And so it's trying to educate them. Um, because it's different and we are you know we have nothing to do with kansas athletics we have nothing to do with the williams education fund and i fully as you know as somebody that led the williams fund that is near and dear to our hearts as family as the Beatty family uh because that's where my athletic scholarship was generated uh from the six thousand donors that we have in the williams fund so that still is important to support these student athletes financially through the williams education fund that's not going to change but what has changed is these kids now, for the very first time, get rewarded for their name image likeness and, and the opportunities that they bring to the table, and that's exciting. And at Kansas, like you said, we have to do it A+. Plus. We have to do it top-notch. And for us to continue to compete at a high level the way Kansas basketball should and we expect, we have to get NIL right. And we need to support uh, these athletes in, in the NIL.
1: Final question for you that I have, one of the big things that Kansas fans are thinking about right now is probably not mm, KU struggling on the football field. It's probably not. Boy, KU is going to be really good on the basketball court, and I think both things are equally true for this upcoming season, but I think a lot of Kansas fans are worried about what is going to happen Where are we going to land on this carousel? Is the Big 12 going to be good enough for our programs? We've had some teams that are leaving. Some teams have come in. Are there going to be any other teams? And the teams that are here, are they going to be good enough to sustain KU football and help them to be competitive in all of these sports that you're trying to represent student athletes in? Is it going to be good enough for men's basketball and football and volleyball and baseball? So my question to you is, when conference realignment, as it continues to take shape, and it will be taking shape for the first time with NIL as a reality, how will the strength or weakness of a program in what they do for their athletes, NIL, affect conference realignment, or do you think that maybe it won't affect it at all?
2: Well, I think what NIL has done, Blake, is it's equaled the playing field for those that want to play in this space, right? The the colleges that have a wealthy or an engaged, uh, I think that's a better word, an engaged alumni base in the NIL space can go play in this space, right? If they know, if a recruit knows that the current Student athletes on base, on on site, on campus, are getting these type of deals that, again, NIL can't be used to go out and recruit. Can't say, you know, that, hey, if you come here, you're getting $750,000 worth of NIL deals. Is that probably happening yeah, probably at some programs. Is that right?
1: enforceable? But how do you
2: stop that? I don't know. I mean, it's the same way now as how do you how do you enforce it now? So, uh, uh, or they do enforce it. So you know, there's there's. So that the, what what we talk about is the current. It's important for us to do right by these current student athletes. A, and if we can get that done at a high level, recruits know. Exactly what we're doing here at Kansas, and yeah, that assists in recruiting, right? They know exactly what we're doing at Kansas, and that there's opportunity that this fan base is going to support them, local businesses, car dealerships, restaurants, uh, local fan base. They're going to support them in NIL, and that's what they're interested in. So by do, taking care of the current student athlete, it helps. It helps in recruiting naturally, as we all know. So, but you know, conference realignment is here it's real at kansas i think somewhere it's of 60 to 70 percent of our conference revenue is tied to ou in texas that's a lot of money that's leaving yeah. the door right and can we make that up with the byus houston's uh uh other schools i don't think so no uh And so when it comes to recruiting, does conferences matter? Yeah, I'd say so. I wanna go play in a Power Five conference, right? There's different amounts of money available in a Power Five than being in the the AAC or the Mountain West. right? You wanna be labeled as a Power Five financially. It's good for the institution as well for research dollars and those type of things that a lot of people don't talk about. So conference affiliation absolutely matters. But I but what matters more than anything, in my opinion, as an alum, is Kansas basketball's place in whatever conference we're doing uh, or we're in. It doesn't matter if they're if we're in the WAC or the ACC or or Big Ten or whatever conference. Kansas basketball has to be Kansas basketball. So the way to protect that is NIL. NIL is such a big piece of the future of college athletics and it's here to stay it might be i think what you're going to see is legislation i hope we see legislation because right now it's the wild wild west and every state's differently different and so one state can do one thing where like in the state of kansas a a student athlete in high school cannot receive nil but in other states they can Because uh, of NC2A rules in Kansas, uh, somebody that's in prep school can receive it. But in other states, they can't, Um, you know, so there's a lot of different rules. And so I think what you're going to see is federal legislation that is hopefully going to level this playing field out. So everybody knows what playing field they're on, because right now everybody's different. And some athletic departments are really involved in NIL. Across the country, because the states allow them to. In Kansas, athletic departments aren't involved. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know, because at Kansas, we got to go fundraise. We got tickets, we got to sell, we got to fundraise for the Williams Fund, we got to do all those things, and that's still important. It's the most important. But we don't go get players. We're not Kansas basketball if we don't do NAL right, because we're being we're recruiting against Kentucky. We're recruiting against North Carolina and Duke in Louisville uh, we have to be able to compete one-on-one with those schools in NIL space right and they're gonna bring in significant amount of money so people ask me all the time what do you think these kids can make I think you're gonna see it across the board from you know at Kansas you're gonna see a kid make five thousand dollars all the way up to probably seven hundred fifty thousand dollars it's gonna be a wide range and so we have to be able to compete in that space for our current student athletes. And if we get that right, it'll help us in recruiting to get those t- kids. Well,
1: when we started, we said we talked to Matt for, oh, probably like 10 or 20 minutes while we talked for like 35 minutes. <laughs> I could minutes.
2: keep going, Blake.
1: I, I There's so much <laughs> stuff that we could delve into. I feel like this, like if we were doing sports talk radio, there, there, is so ma- there are so many avenues that we could go down. Uh, before we let you go, Uh, This has been Matt Beatty, Sixth Man Strategies. Where are you guys? Where is your social media presence? Where's your website? And if there is a local business owner, maybe down here in the Wichita area, plenty of KU fans down here that might want to use one of these guys to promote their restaurant, car dealership, we can have some Jayhawks eating queso possibly. How do they get in touch with you?
2: Uh, Sixthmanstrategies.com. Uh, we have on there, we have some links on there to fill out some information to give us some general, it's inquiry information. So it asks you some questions. Uh, and uh, that's how it gets a hold. Email goes straight to our partnership. And then we're usually in communication within uh, 12 to 24 hours because we're looking for opportunities for these guys. We're active right now, we're actively launching uh, uh, the Hunter Club. We're working on uh, the the Blue Blood exclusive. Um, so there's some exciting things. We're getting ready to launch a raffle. So what's cool about this, guys, is, is we're getting ready to launch a raffle where all these guys are going to be putting links out on their social media. We're raffling off a dinner, with, dinner for two or dinner for 50 uh, with the team team of coaches. I mean, how cool is that? You get to have dinner wow. with coaches and, and, and before you couldn't make money on that. Um, and so we're excited about that. So we're going to be auctioning that off. Hopefully we get that out this week, uh, through raffle. Uh, so you can get on, buy a raffle for $10, $20, $50, all the money goes to these kids. Uh, and that's what we're kind of launching with as we're going out and raising funds through this 100 Club. So if you're interested, there's some great opportunities. There's some marketing opportunities, great business write-offs for marketing expenses. Um, the biggest thing is is these kids have to do something to receive. So if, Blake, if you're a student athlete, you have to uh, – I can pay you $5,000, but you got to do something for me in return. That can't be those four things that we talked about earlier. Um, And so you can sign an autograph and I can pay you 5,000 bucks. Tommy, I can pay you $20,000 for your, for your autograph. And I'm going to take in about five bucks for my autograph. So, uh, so the market (laughs) will take care (laughs) of itself and we're excited. So six man strategies, find us on social media. We have all the, all the handles, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the uh, Snapchats, the, uh, what do they call that? TikTok. I think we're doing some TikTok. Yeah. Don't ask me. Ask my partner, Chrissy. Uh, she does all that stuff. So it's exciting. But uh, sixmanstrategies.com. And just follow, make sure if you're not, follow all the guys on social media because they're going to be posting everything and getting it out there. So I'm excited. So thank you guys for the opportunity.
1: No problem. Once again, that's sixth man strategies with a six. Six T H, not S I X T H. Six T H manstrategies.com and also I think a great opportunity for some people if they want to use their likeness to promote charity as well another opportunity Absolutely. for these guys that we didn't even discuss Matt thank you so much for being on the show we appreciate it
2: I appreciate it and I will say this we also own 12th Man Strategies so we have some opportunities with football So <laughs> sounds good thank you Matt we'll see ya well,
1: Tommy, I mean, that's just like Matt, to be always thinking ahead of the next thing. So 12th man strategy. Uh, what, what's the other, I mean, uh, nine man strategies for baseball? I mean, you could get how many strategies could you get there?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different strategies out there. We just got to get creative and figure out what they all are for sure. That's, uh, that's pretty awesome.
1: One thing that would be nice it would be if the Kansas City Chiefs could come up with a strategy to not turn the ball over yeah. as oh. they are really really disappointed in that loss against the Buffalo Bills. Um you look at how Kansas City has played this year versus last year to me the biggest difference is turnovers and they certainly reared their ugly head in this one. 38 38- to 20. The Bills beating the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night football. The Bills now in firm control of the AFC at four and one. The Chiefs find themselves at two and three. And again, I know that they're this close to being four and one. They're not that far away from being 0-5 at this point, Tommy. And when you look at the Chiefs, they're not exactly running it back to the Super Bowl again, are they? A capacity Arrowhead Stadium crowd, a lightning delay of over an hour, not enough to stop the Bills, an extremely impressive, convincing victory for Buffalo on Sunday. The Chiefs never led after the 7.45 mark in the second quarter. And to me, Tommy, watching this game, and I will say that I did not stay up extremely late in the fourth to watch this game, But it never really felt like in the third quarter, didn't ever seem to me like the Chiefs were really a threat to come back and win this game. The run game was absolutely anemic. I know everybody's going to point to the defense, say, oh, the defense totally lost the game. Let's relax on that. Yes, the defense did give up a couple of absolutely brutal touchdowns in the first half. There's There's no conversation we can have about this team without talking about how bad the defense is, and we will have that conversation. But while Kansas City did pick up a respectable 120 yards on 23 carries on the ground, CEH had seven carries for 13 yards, seven for 13. He's the top running back. Left the game with an MCL sprain, could be out a few weeks. Patrick Mahomes was by far the best runner. Heavy lifting, eight rushes, 61 yards. Mahomes threw the ball 54 times, 272 yards, two touchdowns, but two picks. Josh Allen was clearly... Clearly, the better quarterback in this game, uh, throwing for 315 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Dawson Knox, of all people, could not be stopped by Kansas City. Three catches, 117 yards. Tommy, there were undeniably, unquestionably, unforgivably bad lapses in the secondary. The front seven had one quarterback hit on Allen the entire game and only three TFLs for the whole defense. But there were some very, very big turnovers. Mahomes had three. Byron Pringle had a soul-crushing kickoff return turnover that, thankfully, the defense didn't allow to turn into points. Bills were only held to seven. Were held to seven offensive points in the second half. So in my mind, not all on the defense, but there were defensive problems. There were offensive problems, and for the first time in maybe a few seasons, Tommy, Chiefs have got problems.
0: Uh, I mean that's the understatement of the year. Um, you know, I I, uh, I can't remember the last time that I turned off a Chiefs game in the third quarter uh, and didn't watch the rest of it. It's been a long time since that happened. I'm now, not mad part one partially was the one hour and ten minute lightning delay. Fair enough. Um, and I knew that my kid was going to be up, you know, a couple times in the night. Uh, and so I was like, I've, I, 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 I couldn't do it. As soon as, uh, Mahomes threw the pick six and the bills went up 31, 13, um, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm tapping out. I'm done. I'm going to bed. Uh, and then I was up at like 4 AM and I checked the score, hoping for a miracle. Uh, and that clearly was not, clearly was not the case. Um, no. he, here's the thing about Kansas city. Uh, there was not a single facet of the game that, was positive for Kansas City. Like, there wasn't a whole lot that you can point at and say, that was solid. Hey, at least the Chiefs had that. Hey, at least the Chiefs did so-and-so. That didn't happen in this game against the Bills. Buffalo absolutely outclassed Kansas City every level of that ball game, uh, and And that's different than what we've seen throughout the entire season. Although the Chiefs have lost other games this season, We've come on this show and fans on social media have said, oh, yeah, the Chiefs defense was pretty terrible, but at least dot, dot, dot. There's no at least right now. There's nothing that you could look at from that performance on either side of the football and come away feeling encouraged, come away feeling positive about that effort. The Chiefs were absolutely dominated on both sides of the football. And we can break down all of it. You just did break down quite a bit of it. The secondary, atrocious. Dan Sorensen should not see the field again. I've, I have always liked Dan Sorensen. And I've always liked he, what he brings to the team as far as his energy level. He had a as really as, bad game. He had a really, really bad game. Well, let's but not I don't.
1: forget 100%. He has come up with some huge turnovers for Kansas he City has. in the secondary the last two years. Huge. He has. This is one game, and he wasn't the only— Sneed got toasted sure. on a play in the sure. first quarter.
0: Toasted. And, but you know what? I don't necessarily even blame Dan Sorensen as much as I blame the Chiefs uh, coaching staff for leaving him in uh, because clearly he was overmatched, Clearly, he was not able to cover the way that he needed to cover the Bills' receivers. They were wide open multiple times. You know, at the end of the day, that's on the coaching staff for not making an adjustment and putting somebody else in there. Is uh, that a
1: Sorensen problem, though? Because, like, like, I'm the only thing I just I said you say, can't blame
0: Sorensen. Sure.
1: Fair, fair enough. Uh, you know, like Tyron Matthew, I know that he's the golden boy and everything. I have to say, he didn't have a great game either. Him exclaiming every time that something goes bad, I mean, at, at a certain extent I tweeted this out, I get it because, yeah, I feel the same way, but at the same time, you know, you're a leader. You don't see Salvador Perez doing this, you know, when Escobar drops a ball or when, you know, a pitcher walks another batter. You don't see Salvador Perez doing that. But I let's, let's face sport. it.
0: Let's face it, Teron Matthew is is not equivalent to Salvador Perez. It's more like Patrick Mahomes is equivalent to Salvador Perez as far as the unquestioned leader uh of, sure. of the overall He's the leader team. Now, the I, defense. Sure, I I understand that, but I don't know. I I just I feel like there needed to be a lot of adjustments made that the Chiefs just were not willing to do or not able to do one way or another. The secondary not in that game. The secondary was atrocious. Uh, I'm still waiting on when the defensive front for Kansas City can get some pressure on a quarterback. We haven't seen that at all this season. Now, granted, there's been some fairly mobile quarterbacks. Josh Allen is sneakily mobile. Of course, we know about Lamar Jackson. We know Baker Mayfield can move in the pocket, but there's been not a whole lot of pressure through the first five games of this season defensively a lot of
1: tackles for law no,
0: and a lot of missed tackles past the line <laughs> yeah. of scrimmage uh there just really isn't much positive to say about the defense now i'll go back to my original point in previous games we've been able to say the defense is atrocious but at least dot 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 the offense wasn't much better uh th- there you know the running game like you mentioned was anemic Patrick Mahomes is a -a once-in-a-generation talent, but something's going on with him right now uh, where, you know, he's turning the ball over at a clip unlike we've ever seen in his career. You can't pin every single turnover on him exclusively, uh, but, you know, it's it's kind of alarming where he's at turning the ball over right now. Some of it, too, is just, you know— Wide receiver drops and miscommunication. The team did not look sharp. They had not looked sharp for much of the season at all. And they almost look like they're, you know, I don't know if they're just not gelling, which is weird considering they've made a Super Bowl run the last two years. Um, our our good friend
1: championships for three years yeah, in a row? Yeah, our,
0: our good friend Weston Mills, former co-host of the podcast, uh, I saw him tweet yesterday making some comment about how he wonders if the fact that the Chiefs have played in February the last two years is starting to wear on this squad. I don't know. I I, I think that's a stretch. I don't know if you can pin it on they, that. They, they say that in basketball
1: a lot where, you know, like LeBron James, oh, he's playing poorly now because he played so yeah. many games and he plays in the finals every year. He's played, you know, like 80,000 games. You get six months off
0: in the NFL. I think you can recover from February.
1: I'm just pointing out that in other sports, they do say that it's a thing. And football, there's no more sport. There's no sport that is more physical than football, at least in North America. So here's Australian rules, you know, whatever.
0: Here's what I think is going on right now, as best as I can tell, is that a lot of people want to associate this season's chief squad with what we saw back in 2018 when you know that was that was the mvp year for mahomes he broke out onto the scene um they were putting up 50 some points a game uh but the defense was absolutely awful under bob sutton that you know yes, so a lot of people want to associate those two seasons together the difference between 2018 to 2021 is that yes the defense is just as bad if not worse Now than in 2018, the, but the biggest difference is that NFL defenses are not surprised by Patrick Mahomes anymore. That does not discount or diminish the skills, the athletic ability or anything that Patrick Mahomes can do for Kansas city. He is one of, if not the best quarterbacks in the league, he has the chance to be one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback of all time. He absolutely does, but I I think you have to admit that there was an element of surprise the first season, maybe even somewhat into the second season of what Patrick Mahomes could do throwing the football and 100%. the crazy arm angles and the, you know, every, the mobility, the, uh, escapability, uh, the arm strength. The I mean, you vision. name it, you name it, Patrick Mahomes could do it and defenses did not know how to react to that. Defenses are able to respond. NFL defenses are intelligent and they're the best defensive football players in the world for a reason. They will adjust with some of the best minds as coordinators in the NFL. They are able to adjust. So it's it's a chess game. And right now, the opponents for Kansas City this season have had a pretty solid game plan on what they need to do to figure Patrick Mahomes out. Now it's going to be up to Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy and everything that they can do offensively to try to win and make another move in that chess game.
1: McCole Hardman, I think, was maybe the big, the one bright spot. I didn't remember seeing a ton of drops that really bothered me in the wide receiving core. I thought they played overall pretty well. McCole Hardman led Kansas City with nine receptions. So I-, I thought it was a very good thing that Patrick Mahomes found an additional target. But Clyde edwards did not run the ball well. He only had two targets in the pass game, one reception. Kansas City has got to have more from him When he comes back, if he can come back healthy after his MCL sprain, Daryl Williams, I thought was the better running back option yesterday, clearly on on Sunday. For those of you listening, as we push this out on Tuesday, I, I don't know why that is, because I think CEH is more talented and has the measurables that are better except for size, but the production is obviously not matching that. Chris Jones being out has not helped the defense. He had a wrist injury, did not play, was inactive for the game. But he's been in some other games and, quite frankly, hasn't made a difference. Chiefs entered the week as the second-worst defense in all of football. Defensively, the Chiefs are the only team in the league giving up over seven yards per play. And they're bottom five in the league against the pass and the run. But the turnovers have been the biggest change, Tommy. One of the best teams in football last year at holding on to the ball. This year, they're one of the worst. There's only two teams in the entire universe of professional football that have double-digit turnovers. The Chiefs and the Jacksonville Jaguars have 11 apiece. 11 turnovers in five games is not just staggering. It is an alarm bell that is blaring a siren glaring on this season if the Chiefs cannot figure this out
0: what's even worse uh, than just the number of turnovers which uh, I agree with you 11 is staggeringly bad through five in five games, games. Wow. but what's even more alarming to me is the turnover differential they're minus seven in the <laughs> turnover differential right now uh, and what we've come to expect from Kansas City over the years even when the defense has been suspect Usually the Chiefs defense is pretty good at taking the ball away from their opponents. They have only forced four turnovers defensively through the first five games while giving the ball up 11 different times. And it's not like it's just the quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, throwing interceptions. We've seen it all. We've seen interceptions. We've seen fumbles lost by Patrick Mahomes, Clyde Edwards, helaire Tyreek Hill. We've seen kickoff return fumbles. Uh, there was one on Sunday night. We've seen that just all, all the different ways that you can turn the football over. Kansas city has shown that this year. So here's my question for you, Blake, the Chiefs said at two and three right now, clearly, uh, I think that the thought of a Super Bowl run is not dead in the minds of people, but I think that there's a lot of concern right now. And as we've stated, as we have stated, there are significant problems on both sides of the football that were apparent and exposed by the Buffalo Bills on Sunday night. So my question to you is, if you're Andy Reid, if you're Brett Veach, if you're the Chiefs squad, what do you start to do to try to turn things around? We, we know that the first five games of the season, schedule-wise for Kansas City, was a juggernaut. We talked about that prior to the season. It gets a little bit easier moving on. They play Washington this weekend. They're not a fantastic football team. But overall, organizationally, what can the Chiefs do to start to turn things around?
1: I don't know if there's any quick fix for this. I mean, how do you? what piece do you put in? to a team that's the worst defense by such a large margin. I'll There's
0: tell no, you, let, let me, let me tell you, there please. were, there were two, and well, I'm not saying that this is nothing that they can do right now. They missed the boat, but there were two high profile free agents that were released by their teams last week in Stefan Gilmore from new England and Jalen Smith from Dallas and the chiefs landed. Neither of them. Those were two opportunities on the table with two above average Defensive players, starters in this league, and both of those players went elsewhere. Um that's a little bit different than what we've seen from Kansas City over the past couple of sure. years. Everybody wanting to come and play for Andy Reid and with Patrick Mahomes and the entire squad. That's
1: how they got Josh uh, Gordon.
0: Well, they, how much of a factor was he on Sunday night? I, I mean, mean,
1: that that play was an awesome play that he caught. But yeah, he had that one catch and, and that was it. And, you know, let's give him some time to get more sure. familiar with the offense. I don't know how. But complex- I'm sorry.
0: Rather than signing a, a receiver who has been suspended about 80 gazillion times by the NFL, why don't you put your priority and your focus in trying to fix the defense? You know, trying to find some free agents out there that can maybe help you out a little bit. I, I'm, I know Stephon Gilmore is a cornerback and Dan Sorensen is a safety, but I'd much rather try to figure some way out to get him on the field rather than Dan Sorensen. But at the end of the day, the Chiefs missed out on both of those acquisitions.
1: Well, they're going to have to find something out with the defense. Obviously, Washington is not going to be nearly the task that Buffalo was offensively. Josh Allen is by far one of the best quarterbacks. In fact, he and Patrick Mahomes have the best records in the yeah. nfl over the last two seasons and josh but allen
0: is the truth josh allen he's, he's is the real deal he has submitted himself as a franchise quarterback yes. in the long term for buffalo he is what 100%. buffalo has been waiting for since the days of jim kelly no doubt about it
1: i mean of what of those guys there's such a tired trope in sports talk radio to go through and you know look at franchises based on their quarterbacks and you know is it a lock is it a keep or is it a or is it a discard and obviously there are a few locks i think of the afc whether you like it or not i think baker mayfield is a lock in cleveland i think the obvious locks that i think of at the top of my head are patrick mahomes lamar jackson and if you don't have josh allen on that list of lock quarterbacks in the AFC. I don't know what football, I I I don't know what to tell you. I, I Absolutely. I'm really sorry for you, but you're you're totally missing a guy who is having an all-pro season right now. So, you mentioned that it's going to get a little bit easier. It will. The Chiefs are going to have the chance here to play some more of these teams from the NFC, least a division that has been historically awful the last few years, but you look at Washington and the football team so far, They've won two games. Now the two wins are over the Giants and the Falcons. And the Falcons, boy, what had happened Ooh. to the Dirty Birds. They are Yikes. really bad. And the Giants, well, they've only won one game, and again, they're in the, the East. So this is going to be a step down. But the next week you've got the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee is three and two. Tennessee with overtime win against Seattle. People have respect for that club. And they also beat Jacksonville and Indianapolis. And obviously, Jacksonville's pretty awful. And Indianapolis People don't really know what to make of the Colts, I don't think. So again, nowhere close to the level of competition where the Chiefs came out of the gate playing, you know, yeah, three of the four teams that we thought would be the prime factors in the AFC to go to the Super Bowl. And let's face it, Chargers are, in my mind, for the rest of the season, if you discount the last three years for Patrick Mahomes and you only look at what's happening this year, Chargers have to be your favorite to come out of the West. They have to be your favorite to win the West based on how they are playing right now. So the Chiefs had better figure things out against Washington, Tennessee, and New York in the next three weeks because you've got the Packers coming up the week after that. That's not going to be any cupcake. And then you've got the Raiders. They've been in turmoil now. We'll get to that after the show as an addition that you're going to make Breaking news coming up on that, and then I still don't know what to make of the Dallas Cowboys. That'll be a really popular game up here in Kansas City because there are a lot of you know fly by night Cowboys fans up here in Wichita <laughs> that I'm hoping will you know watch their team lose by about a thousand points in that game. But um, I don't think that this is an automatic win. There, there were times in previous years you were going into games you thought you know even if they'd play bad they're going to just figure out a way to beat. Tennessee. They're going to figure out a way to beat these fringe wild card teams. It's just going to happen. You don't have to worry about it. If they play like they did against Buffalo, I'm not sure that they beat Washington. I'm not sure that they beat Tennessee. They probably beat New York playing like that because the Giants are just really bad. But I'm not sure that they can just walk into stadiums and beat teams with a defense this bad and an offense that's turning it over this much. So they better start figuring it out. They're going to have to do it on the road against Washington and Tennessee, but they've got the kind of teams coming in that they can try to get things right on, to try to work on things before they end the the schedule with a lot of divisional foes, very, very important divisional games coming up for the Chiefs.
0: The expectations are are sky high for Kansas City, and they will remain that way as long as Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are there. Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, the fact that they're, they're, they're a Super Bowl winning team, two years removed from that, with largely the same team from that Super Bowl run, the expectations are rightfully going to be very high. Uh, the fan base is getting restless. I don't blame them. I'm getting restless as well. Um, this was a team that people were saying, which this never happens, but people were saying, they're going to go 21-0 this year and you know things like that. That never happens. Not
1: one, not two. Right,
0: yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, the expectations are, are sky high. Two and three, I don't think entered the minds of a lot of different people. People are getting restless. Uh, and I can tell you the fan base... They're not going to be able to continue to tolerate um, words from Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and others saying, "We just we got to we got to figure it out. We got to get back to work. We got to fix the mistakes. That's on me. We got to take care of it. Like show it, show it the next I week."
1: It. I don't want to get it on, no, no, no. on television, no, I'm not. Though. I'm not
0: saying anybody's. I'm just. All I'm saying is that just that we've heard it the last few weeks uh, and yeah, all I we've agree. seen is the performance actually get worse week in to week out. I the agree. performance from Buffalo was the worst we've seen all now, season.
1: The competition has gone up though.
0: Understandable, but the top down performance all fats to the game, that was the worst display we've seen all season. I, Washington should be a get-right game for Kansas City. It should I, be. God, I hope so. So we'll have to wait and see what what turns out there. But I just know that they're not going to have a lot of opportunities for get-right games in, in the league. Any game is a winnable game for a National Football League team, uh, and that includes Washington, that includes the New York Giants, and it probably even includes the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, even though they've lost <laughs> like 20-some games in a row. Uh, but at the, end the, at the end of the day, though, uh, it's going to be important for Kansas City to try to figure out a way to win. Uh,
1: it, it I will say, if they lose to the football team, in Washington, yeah. noon on CBS on Sunday. We're going to be having a way different conversation than we're having right now. Of, well, you know, they played a really good team. They got some big problems. You know, they can come out of it. We're going to be having a sky is falling type of yep. a situation of Without Washington wins by two scores. So that's coming up noon on CBS. Last segment of the show Bishop Carroll survives. The Holy War Street continues. 25 straight wins for the Golden Eagles over Capen in the Holy War. Golden Eagles survived 27-21 to beat the Crusaders, solidifying their claim as the number one team in Class 5A. Omari Elias got the scoring started for KMC, a rushing touchdown to put Capen ahead 7-0, but a Chase Smarsh touchdown pass to Luke and tied the game at 7. Carroll took the lead, iced it with under two minutes to play as Michael Polly picked off the Crusaders in the end zone to cement it. Both teams are 5-1, Tommy, but Bishop Carroll is undefeated in City League play. They can cement the City League title by themselves, win it outright, if they take care of business against the Pioneers this week. KMC is hosting the Liberal Redskins on Friday. What a hell of a game for these two teams to participate in. But I know that those fans that are not wearing this color, they're wearing blue on the east side of town. Boy, I know that had to be an extremely difficult pill to swallow. As this streak has survived yet another year, not by much.
0: Yeah. So uh, my my wife is a Capin Mount Carmel grad. Um, her her family um, they're they're Capin folks. She's got cousins that went to Capin. Um, you know, so it they they're Crusaders uh, through and through. My wife's uncle um, is I think best friends, or if not that really good friends with Weston Sharts, And they've been friends oh, wow. for 40 some years, uh, in, in Wichita. And, and so, uh, Cape in the Cape and blood runs deep, uh, on my wife's uh, side of the family. Um, and, and I didn't really recognize the Holy war being as big of a deal until I met her. Um, you know, I'm a suburb kid. I didn't, I didn't do anything in the city league. We didn't play anybody in the city league. Um, it was Which all, suburb? 80-
1: was that Andover?
0: Uh, Clearwater was where I grew up. Oh, that's right. Um, so we, you know, so it was all away.
1: Clearwater is a suburb. Hold, hold on. That, that's a little bit outside of the suburb. No, it's Nothing not. Against... It's
0: 15 minutes away from the airport. It's not oh. that far away. Okay. Uh, just right down K 42. It's not, it's not far whatsoever. <laughs> um, Hey, I could get to Kellogg and Tyler road and like, 18 minutes from my front door. I didn't
1: say it wasn't close. I'm just saying suburbs.
0: <laughs> I think it's a suburb. Anyway, uh uh my point being, I didn't recognize the importance of the holy war. And I know for quite a while, uh Capin was not at the level of, of Bishop Carroll. Um, we've talked about it before on what Weston Sharts has done um, you know, to to revive that Capin program. Oh, huge. Um, it's been huge. At the end of the day, a solid Bishop Carroll, Cape and Mount Carmel rivalry is good for high school football in Wichita. Um, and the fact that, you know, so many people were excited for the Holy War when, you know, in years past, it's just kind of expected that it's going to probably be a beatdown. down. Um, that's positive for me. And so I don't really have a dog in the fight personally. Um, and I just wanted to see good football between two really good teams. Uh, and we got that over the weekend.
1: I will caution... Teams, the, the I don't have to caution the teams because they know, and I know that Dusty Trail and Weston Scharts both know. Weston Scharts went on radio before the game and said, "Hey, you know, I'm focusing on the City League Championship and what that would mean for us to win our first G-Wall title in so many years." But you know, he admitted that it was impossible for him to overcome the expectations of everybody else, and they had just beaten Northwest the week before, yeah. which is that that's a huge win for them to beat a, a program like. Northwest and what they've done with Coach Martin over the last few years. But he said, you know, this is the game that people care about. And I know that everybody's already got everything all lined up to be at Bishop Carroll Family Stadium there on that weekend before Thanksgiving for Substate. It would be very, very, very dangerous and short sighted if you forgot about that program that played just north and east of Central and Tyler. It'd be very, very dangerous to forget about Wichita Northwest. This is still a program that has a lot of pride, still a lot of program that feels like they have unfinished business, a program that's come very, very close to winning a 5A state title a number of times, and so far, a Northwest team that has lost to the two best teams in 5A, and that's it, as far as I'm aware. Okay. Yeah. So if if you are just going to go ahead and pencil yourself in, then thinking you're just going to walk to the West semifinals, uh, or the West Finals and Substate, there is a team that wears maize and navy on the west side of town that's gonna have something to say about it, and the Bears are gonna come and knock you in the mouth. Okay, so if you think you're gonna get by the Grizzlies and just skate to to play for state, I, I hate to tell you this, Crusaders and Golden Eagles, I have a feeling it's not gonna work out that way. You're gonna have to play your butts off to beat Wichita Northwest. So let's not write off the Grizzlies just yet.
0: I think this is kind of the way that Northwest likes to operate, though. I mean, you know, uh, sure. Steve Martin. Steve Martin's the coach at Northwest, correct? Yes. Sir. Uh, I-, I guarantee you that you know they're quietly going about their business and letting the hype of the Holy War and Capen and Bishop Carroll let it dominate the news cycle, while they just go out there and win football games and. You know, it's hard to overlook a team that has been as dominant in the City League as Wichita Northwest, but there's built-in hype with the rivalry of the two Catholic schools. Now, keep in mind, there's also a built-in rivalry, the Battle of Tyler Road with Bishop Carroll and Northwest over the years, but it doesn't have as much allure to it as the Catholic Holy War does no. year in and year out. So uh, I think it helps Northwest that Cape and Mount Carmel is an improved football program because I think it allows. Bishop Carroll, makes Bishop Carroll, forces Bishop Carroll to, I don't want to say be distracted, but focus more energy on that inner city rivalry between those two teams while Northwest is just out there, again, winning football games and pursuing a state championship. So, you know, it's obviously more than likely a three-team race in the City League. Most definitely. Um, Yeah, it's going to be super intriguing to see which one of those teams comes out on top.
1: Would not be surprised to see all three participating in the, uh, I guess that would be the sectional round yep. with a chance to play for a sub state championship on the line as we whittle things down to the last eight teams in Kansas. It's going to be happening here. The lights are going to be off early. We're going to have the lights on from kickoff as daylight savings time will come to an end. And that's when you know, I talked to Shuckman about this when I was doing the Carroll games. You know, when the lights are on and it is black, the sky is black at kickoff. That's when you know the games start to really, really matter. It's just Absolutely. a different it's just a different feeling when you walk into the stadium and it's already nighttime at, at six o'clock or five thirty when you're showing up. It, it just you just feel you feel the difference. It's probably um, like forty
0: five oh, degrees outside. Oh way cooler. <laughs> Fifty you're degrees. You're wearing you're that wearing your coat. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. I, I I can't tell you what that feeling is like really really exciting time to be working uh high school football so uh that is our show for today with just one unfinished piece of business and that's to hit the music time to go around wichita for our wichita whip Round. the best stories from the air capital that we didn't have time to get to on the show today tommy let's start with you your whip story for this week
0: so I actually have two that I'm going to bring to you here on the show. Right. And and uh, maybe I'm stealing one of them from you. I don't exactly know what you're we'll going to have. Uh, but uh, number one is uh, Riverfront Stadium going to be hosting a football game for the very first time in the history of Riverfront. November 21st, Riverfront Stadium will host the Kansas Jayhawk Community College Conference Football Championship game at 1 p.m. I'm really interested, Blake, to see what football at Riverfront Stadium will look like. Uh, You know, there's great football in that conference. Uh, Obviously, Hutch Juco is dominant. They've been good for a long time. Uh, National champions. Uh, So, uh, you know, more than likely you would imagine they'll probably be uh, in that championship game for the conference. But regardless, uh, it's hard for me to picture what football will look like in Riverfront Stadium, but it should be a lot of fun.
1: So they have actually released a diagram of how this is all envisioned to work. And so if you're looking at the first base side, that is where one end zone is going to be. And then the sideline will kind of go along the third base line where that would be. And that'll be one sideline. And then the other sideline will be on the other side. Looking at the schematics that I've seen, I think it was in, it might've been in the Wichita Eagle. I don't know who I'm, not giving credit to but you, you might check the eagle and look it's a it's a tight fit it is going to yeah. be a tight fit but it looks like they can fit it and from what i remember reading riverfront stadium was designed with this possibility in mind
0: yeah i know that they they wanted to be versatile um you know the the designers uh in the wind surge they wanted to have concerts there they wanted to put an ice rink in the wintertime for people to go skating, things like that. So um, definitely the, the versatility is, is going to be important there for Riverfront Stadium. So that'll be a lot of fun. And then my second one, speaking of the wind surge, congratulations to Ramon Borrego. He has been named the Double A Central Manager of the Year. Of course, Borrego led the wind surge to a 69-51 and record in the team's inaugural season and the best regular season record in the A Central. And as we all know, the wind surge made it to the and they hosted a playoff game. So quite an honor there for Ramon Borrego, manager of the year for the Wichita Wind Search.
1: Fantastic achievement for him. Obviously extremely, extremely well, well well-deserved for him. So yeah, just goes to show that the leadership is in place for Wichita to be really, really special with this baseball club for the coming years. I am going to go to the volleyball court. Sophomore outside hitter Briley Kelly leads the Shockers to two road wins in the American Athletic Conference over the weekend including a career-high 29 kills on Sunday. Shocks go on the road. They beat Memphis and Southern Methodist 3-1 and 3-2. They played nine total sets this weekend. Kelly had 16 kills, four digs, two blocks, and an ace in the win over the Tigers, and she was not done on a massive 61 swings. She hit 361 in the second match. The 29 kills are the second most in the modern era of Wichita State Volleyball. She had 45 kills over the weekend, only 12 errors in the two matches, which is insanity. Shockers improved to 9-6. They are back in action on Friday against ECU, 7 p.m., first serve on ESPN+. Really big for the Shockers. They had about a five-match losing streak. They've come back now, I believe, with three straight wins to go to nine and six. So really big for this young group of Shockers. Even though Briley Kelly's been there for like four years because of coronavirus and injuries, she's gotten these extra years. This is a group that's going to have a lot of seasoning if they can stay together under Coach Lambeau here in the next couple of seasons.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously we we know what uh, they've been able to do with that program over the last few seasons. And so, um, it, it, you know, definitely an exciting time to be a part of that program, and uh, I'm excited to see what they can do in the future.
1: Time to wrap things up with the additions, corrections, and retractions. One correction from last week. I said that Kansas State was playing football last week. Ha, ha, that was wrong. Nope. Uh, KU is playing Texas Tech this week. 3 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. Kansas State hosting Farmageddon against Iowa State. That's a 6.30 kickoff on ESPN2. So my bad on that one. Any ACs and R's for you, Tommy?
0: Yeah, a really big addition that uh, doesn't directly impact fans uh, of Wichita, but if you are a fan of the Chiefs, Uh, You'll definitely want to to know about this. It's no secret that um, on this program, we typically record the show on Monday evenings and we release it Tuesday mornings. Um, So this is literally breaking as we're recording the show. Uh, In fact, when we had Matt Beatty on the program, this was coming down. Uh, John Gruden has resigned as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Of course, there was controversy several days ago uh, with uh, emails that he had sent where he referred to uh, Demoria Smith, who is the NFL Players Association head, uh, and uh, had referred to him uh, with some racist language. Uh, and so he was under fire with that. But apparently. Uh, According to different sources, uh, John Gruden, in additional emails, used misogynistic and homophobic language for years. Uh, Multiple other emails have come to light where he denounced the emergence of women referees, the drafting of gay players, and the tolerance of protests during the national anthem. He also referred to uh, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell by the F word. And also the P word in his emails. Uh, So apparently Gruden met with Mark Davis, owner of the Raiders, for a couple of hours on Monday evening, uh, where the decision uh, apparently mutually was decided for Gruden to resign. He released a statement uh, saying that he did not want to be a distraction to the team, and so he would be resigning. Uh, He finished the message by saying, I'm sorry, I never meant to hurt anyone. So breaking news uh, on this Monday night as we close the show that John Gruden is out as the head coach of the Raiders.
1: We also had breaking news earlier today. We had that update on KU men's basketball and possible infractions from the independent accountability resolutions process published today KU, of course facing allegations of five level 1 infractions a charge of head coach responsibility and a lack of institutional control the case of course accepted by the IARP in July of 2020 and we had all this blustering you know what we got today Tommy we got a freaking timeline what in the world are we what what is this we have a we got timeline got a timeline
0: up- got a time line, it. but it, it didn't it didn't even tell you when it, the closure was going to happen no
1: we we got a timeline of all the uh, the process we got a timeline of this process that we've been in, right? Guess what? We know how long this is taking. Right. we don't need you to remind us about how long this is taking.
0: I don't know, you'd have to think, uh, and, and this was something that we didn't, you I know, talk just, to. I was stunned. One thing we didn't talk to Matt about, but, you know, some of these allegations, not just with Kansas, but other programs around the country with what is going on in the NIL world, you would have to think that a lot of these allegations are a moot point now, considering that in a lot of cases it's impermissible benefits, but it's all kind of legal now. So I I don't know. It, It makes me think that, you know, nothing's going to happen, but if nothing's going to happen, just say nothing's going to happen and let's have everybody move on.
1: I guess from Matt's perspective, and he talked about this, you know, they, the athletic department can't be the one pulling sure. the strings. And so sure. I guess the allegations would be that the athletic department was the one pulling the sure. strings, that the Fair coach enough. was involved. You know, whether or not that's true or not, I don't know. But we had this big thing, oh, we're going to release all this stuff, and you released a timeline. <laughs> you are taking forever. It's been over a year This was supposed to provide increased transparency. You have wasted 15 months. What are you doing? All this bluster, and even after today, we still have no indication of when this is going to be over, and really, Tommy, from reading the reports, it doesn't even really feel like the end is even imminent in any way.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, it's to the point now where whenever an update comes out about this particular situation with Kansas basketball, I just skip over it. I don't even care to read it. It doesn't even matter. Until there's a resolution just wake me up when it's done and we'll go from there
1: i yeah i i, I just cannot believe that they are allowing the ncaa is allowing this farce to go on i mean if you want to bring the death penalty just go for it present your evidence let ku appeal they've already said they're going to appeal let ku appeal and let's be done with it what the hell is this you know you can just investigate for two years with nothing we're i mean what's the chance we're going to get in, uh, any kind of resolution before that, basketball season i mean
0: look i i just i on, I don't have anything else to say about it until there's a resolution. I'm, I'm more, I'm still caught up on what's going on with John Gruden and the Raiders, that was and, pretty and massive. the fact that um, you know, I, 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 give all of that information, and you don't even have a response. What are your th- What's your thoughts on Gruden out with the Raiders?
1: The, the, I mean, it's shocking. You know, you look at his personality, and it is, um, you know. I can't say that I'm shocked, not necessarily saying that that, sure. you know, like, oh, you can just judge somebody by how they look or how they act or whatever. But, I mean, I can't say that I am surprised. Um, you know, obviously the Raiders felt like, you know, if it wasn't going to fly in Las Vegas, it wasn't going to fly anywhere, obviously, because the Raiders are the most, you know, kind of point the middle finger at the league, we'll do what we want, and we always have, you know, kind of the rogue franchise Um, So, I mean, it's not surprising to me that he is gone.
0: You You know, know, what's what's interesting to me about it, and and I'm not, this is not me defending John Gruden at all, because um, looking at what he sent email-wise, I mean, it's it's despicable. But it's it's interesting to me that all of this happened. He wasn't employed by the NFL when any of this stuff happened. He was employed by ESPN. Uh, He was a color commentator on Monday Night Football. Over the period of time that these emails were sent, um, and you know, it just, I guess it just goes to show that, uh, at the end it's of the on day, the internet, it will yeah, not,
1: it's somebody it does has not go it away. Somewhere.
0: Your, your past can come back to haunt you. Always be careful with what you say, especially when you're in a position, uh, of, of power and you're in the public eye.
1: I certainly don't want to make, um, light of misogynistic comments and all the other, you know, istic and. And acist comments, you know, he, he had some tick so many boxes there, unfortunately with what he said, but does, does this make the John Gruden impersonation of Frank Kellyendo? Does it make it a little less likable now? Cause I yeah. love that impersonation, but it, 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 hurts it now. Doesn't it?
0: Yeah. I mean, I would say that, uh, you know, other than John Gruden, the like, only the guy that's having like the second worst night is Frank Caliendo right now.
1: Yeah. I don't disagree. So anyway, that's all we got for this week. Uh, so, we will be back to college football. Very, very big next week. Pretty big matchup with Kansas State and Iowa State. I think you've got two programs there for Farmageddon, Tommy, that can kind of turn their seasons one way or the other way, kind of get things back on track, go to 4-2, and two, or you're down at 500, and gosh, can we just make a bowl game and scrape by? I think there's still a path to the top 25 for the winner of that football game. Obviously, with KU and Texas Tech, the – The only thing that we care about is will KU win a game? Will they be close again? How will they respond from their worst butt-kicking of the year? Uh, That'll be found out. And obviously, the Kansas City Chiefs and how they will respond against the Washington football team. We'll have it all covered for you on Episode 82 coming up next week. That is our show for this week. Once again, CogSports.com and Cog pod.podomatic.com, the best place to find the audio, video on YouTube, like, share, and subscribe. Again, appreciate all of you out there that keep us doing this. Appreciate you very much. Tommy, for our beloved audio listeners,
0: where can they find you on social media? You can follow me anytime on Twitter at TweetsFromTommy.
1: I am also on Twitter only. If you see me on Snapchat or TikTok, it's a fake account. Delete it and call the authorities because it's not me. Uh, I am at B. E. Crips, B e Crips on Twitter. We'll see you next week. A lot more football on tap for you. We'll see you about seven days from now. This has been the Keeper of the Games.
0: Take care, guys. You've been listening to Keeper of the Games. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and listen on all major podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google
1: Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and more visit our website at cogsports.com. Find the podcast and videos on Facebook and YouTube at Keeper of the Games. And follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at CogPod. That's K-O-G Pod.